Welcome to Bash University Live. I am your host, Gerald Swindle, today. <laughs> A slightly uh, larger ver version of G-Man. Of but there's a reason for that. There's a reason why I'm dressed like Gerald Swindle. We're very excited to announce that G will be with us in our Alabama class this year. Uh, love having Gerald uh, back in the classroom. We've been on the water with him and in the classroom a lot over the years. And one of our most popular uh, speakers and, and one of the greatest anglers on the planet. So very excited to uh, have him with us in class again this year. Um and uh, and our guest, our, our special guest today is the, the master of the opens, Ben Milliken, who has, you know, just had a wonderful year winning uh, one of the events on Toledo Ben this year and just had a dominant uh, performance, especially at the end, just coming back and jumping in back into the elites, going to be competing in the elites. Uh, you know, he's as he was at the original Bash University that Mike and I, the original year we put the program together, he was there with us. Um, and we're going to be talking about Bash U, talking about, uh, you know, the things that he's learned through the Opens, and he's available for questions for all you guys. So get your IMs uh, ready to go because Ben's going to be with us shortly. I'm joined right next to me by the champ. Holy mackerel. You crushed him again down on the flats, Rich. Yeah, I guess we ran into uh, some of the right ones. You yes, know? you did. Yeah, it was twenty-four uh, pounds of the right ones. Yeah, twenty-four-three is what uh, is what we put on the scales. And uh, Justin uh, was, you know, we fished together for the event, and uh, we didn't think we had that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm real bad about not no not realizing how big the big ones are. Yeah. And uh, our smallest one was a three eighty. And uh, the rest of them were just big. And, yeah, yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was a fun day, man. Yeah. It, was, it was a fun day. And, so you're uh, you're admitting to what we all know is you are a, a legitimate sandbagger. When I, it I comes to asking you how much weight you have. So here's here's <laughs> my here's my my the reasoning on that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to sandbag. I, I don't. Um, I don't start weighing fish until I start calling. Yeah. Because I only want to know how big the smallest one is. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so like that makes it tough. Like when you you catch a few big ones in the morning and you haven't looked at them in six hours it's like i don't know are they fours are they fives like i don't know i'm i'm putting them in the box and getting right back out there yeah. so no it was a, it was a you know really fun fall fishing on the chesapeake and really two days of it you know what i mean you we we all competed saturday and sunday and uh yep. you guys had what almost 18 on on saturday and yep, yep. eric and i had 21 uh 21 2 on saturday and that was enough to come in fourth place which was kind of a slap in the face and i guess i was a little mad at him on sunday <laughs> yeah well you you took him out nicely and and justin uh who fished with both of us uh um the our upgraded intern now uh full-time <laughs> man at the bash university uh was my partner and i noticed some things that were very interesting about fishing with justin um uh -oh. He's a neat freak. You didn't know that? He is a complete neat freak. And it's, um, you know, I am not. <laughs> As you guys know, I, I, I operate a little differently. The, um, it, you know, one of the most interesting things that I saw in fishing with Justin was when, when he took his rain gear off, he folded it perfectly like it was on the showroom floor to be sold <laughs> oh and placed God. it neatly on his seat 
Uh, so is not who to- has the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't even think about it. I just do. That's just how I. That's just how I am. I like to be efficient, man. You know, I don't want to. You know, I like. I don't know how to explain. That's just how I am. I don't know. So what you're telling me is that he was organizing your boat throughout the day. If I looked, you? if I looked away, my rods would be decluttered. The baits would be separated. How come none of this happens on my boat, dude? <laughs> my <laughs> boat looked like a uh, like a dang war zone by the time we were done. You know, I'm not trying to get in your way. You know? <laughs> Let me you do your thing, but I don't know. That's just that's funny. I I like it though. I like it. I you know having that. Yeah, you know, because I'm I've always have things underfoot, and uh, but we had a blast uh, fishing with Justin. Justin that caught the biggest fish of our day right out of the gate, and um, yeah, we we caught nice fish. We caught them all day mm-hmm. long, and uh, and had fun fishing that tournament. Although we came up a little short, but um, but we battled hard. We never saw a big fish, and and you guys went out and and had an, a, a great a great W uh, mm-hmm. down there on the bay. So that was that was a fun weekend. It was. We Shout enjoyed- out to you guys, man, for fishing with me. I always learn a bunch fishing with you guys, and especially you, Pete. You know, I fish with Riz a bunch, so I've learned, you know, how he how he works and how I can fish behind him. But it was fun watching you fish on uh, Saturday, Pete. That's that's cool. I appreciate it. It was fun working with you too. And yeah. uh, we got it. We you know the epic Eric spinnerbait was a killer for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And exactly. then- shout out to Eric. He- you know, it, I fished yeah, with him Saturday and we, we came up a little bit short and, you know, I'm not in the greatest of moods when that happens, but, uh, always, a, always a treat to fish with, yep. with you. You're always welcome. We were, we were scrambling though, because, uh, he caught a big fish and, and that fish came in the boat. It smashed that spinner bait. It bent it all up mm-hmm. and mangled it to pieces. Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then we, uh, we rebuilt, we had, to, we had to rebuild all day long trying to recreate, <laughs> yeah. uh, epic spinner bait. Uh, but that was, uh, that was, that was a cool day. Fun, fun day. want to remind you guys, we're brought to you by, uh, tackle direct. We're, co- we're coming from tackle direct studios and um they've got some bogo stuff going on over at tackle direct right now the holiday sales are starting so get over to tackledirect.com and uh and check it out a lot a lot of great stuff over there customer service second to none and you will have your stuff uh fast so go check out tackle direct we all if you're watching over on social media don't forget like and share the feed we what do we what are our prizes today Billy Big Mouth Bass. We have a stinky package of a bunch of power baits. <laughs> and our like and share is in line with a bash use of bash you hat. Oh, shouldn't you be singing that? Yeah, right. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I Jocelyn, I love the costume. You oh. need me 24 hours to get this done. So hey. What you got? Hey, it's better. It's better than the other two guys. Yeah, these guys. <laughs> well, you told us to dress as each other, and we would just literally would have looked the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, you wear Sims, you wear Kusa Cotton. It's like we're we're gonna look the same. But it would have been something instead of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm. I'm the I told you, I'm dressed up right now as fake camera guy, <laughs> and I'm dressed up as neat free co angler. <laughs> There you go. But he like you could tell like look he even buttons the top button on his bash <laughs> shirt. Oh, yeah. come on now. Look I at that. you're loosening up. You got the I, I'm you got the up, top guys. button undone around you. Yeah. All right. All right. This thing's coming 
<laughs> I appreciate the effort, Josh. We also have a grand prize. What's our what's our grand prize today? Um, that's with the power baits, the Cortland line, and the Bashu hat. Oh, you already said that. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was the liking chair? I missed. It's an Aquaview hat with pack of Cortland line. Oh, okay, awesome. Shout out Good to stuff. Cortland line. It played a big role in my tournament on Saturday. Okay. Uh, I fished a lot on the spinning rod. We got onto that. Uh, we were power fishing most of the time, jerk bait, spinner bait, mm -hmm. doing some things. And we figured out that we could switch up to finesse a little late in the day. And we started smashing their heads in. Had we uh, had we finessed up a little earlier, I think we we yeah, might have was, fared better in that tournament. That was, we missed that window. Yeah. That was such an interesting bite, you know, like they're feeding on shad and they were stuff just, like that. And, you know, it's crazy. So it's much crazy. fun. Well, hold on one sec here here's me and pete's uh weigh-in photo if anyone hasn't seen it uh, <laughs> there we are there we are there we are weighing in our fish together well i cropped my apologies i had to just and thank you for that justin i had to get, we had the ike live show all, that night and uh i had to get out of that way in as quick as i could to get home and get ready for that show so i appreciate that i missed the photo but um, I added you in there. Don't you, worry. You cropped me right in there. <laughs> Guys, if you're just tuning in, we've got Ben Milliken on his way to the Bassmaster Elite. Uh, can't Heck wait yeah. to dive in with that amazing year of real talent. And uh, we're going to be talking to and Bash University subscriber and yeah. student. Uh, he's one of us, guys. So he's going to be with us here shortly. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Ben Milliken. Happy leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hooks that boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. 
We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Cortland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Cortland Line Company, made in America since 1915. I have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie Eyewear, built for the pros. Price for everyone. And we're back. Welcome back to Bash University Live. It's uh, going to be a good show. We got Ben Milliken joining us. Happy Newly Halloween. Follower. Yeah, happy Halloween. It's going to be a big, big day at my house. I, this this may be uh, Jake's last Halloween. Aww, what is he dressing as? Uh, he's got like the a Phantom of the Opera kind of theme, scary monster scary thing going monster. on. So he's going to go around and terrorize all the younger kids today so we handed out uh <laughs> bottles of kool-aid on for saturday night in red point because none of us realized that the red point kids would be trick-or-treating on saturday night <laughs> so the only thing we had in connor's house was a six-pack of kool-aid and luckily we only had three trick-or-treaters so it worked out yeah. <laughs> you knowing you guys you didn't get them out spiked kool-aid did you no no spiked kool-aid but if we had more we were going to have to start cutting up hot dogs and giving them handing <laughs> 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 uh, out crankbaits and stuff yeah. uh, that, handing out your beer yeah <laughs> That, that's pretty awesome. I, I who said it on the board that I look like Fritz? Straw that stirs the drink. Straw that, that stirs. Like I look more like David Fritz than Gerald Swindle. Well, we we do what we can. It's the shirt. It ties it all together. Yeah. Without the shirt, nobody would figure out what the heck I was trying to do. <laughs> but uh, but hey, we're we're excited about our our guest today because he's done something monumental uh in the sport of no fishing. Doubt. One of the hard, in my opinion, one of the hardest things to do right now in the sport which is qualify for the elites through the opens uh the nine tournament schedule is uh, is a daunting task for the best anglers uh so you, to be able to do it do it strong win on the way uh is was an incredible feat and uh we're all super glad to have him with us uh, is uh i'm gonna the great ben milliken what's up guys how we doing we're we're doing good, man. We're doing good. We're just uh, <clears throat> excited to have you on. It was just a, a really amazing season, and and I I gotta say, you know, your assessment of it, it, I think it's the hardest thing in fishing right now is to get through that nine tournament trail. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to say their their circuit, their divisions, the, the toughest in fishing, but uh, I, I've heard it enough this year that I think it, it's that way, and a lot of people feel that way, uh, the way it is right now, and how they changed the format for this season and, and moving forward with the nine tournaments. It was uh, it was definitely a grind. No kit, and it lasts what eight months, something like that. 
yeah, eight months. And, um, I really liked the, the schedule was extremely, uh, a lot of, a lot of different lakes, very dynamic fisheries. Uh, we fished everything from pre-spawn to a straight up fall pattern all over the country, large mouth, small mouth, you know, deep lakes, shallow stuff, rivers, clean water, muddy water. So we got a little bit of everything. Then. Well, we're we're going to dive into that a little bit, but I want to make, and I made this uh, teaser announcement on the Ike Live show, and if you didn't see that, um, we're going to do it again right now, because we're really excited and proud of you for your amazing accomplishments, and really excited to have you as one of our feature presenters uh, at this year's Bash University in Athens, Texas. It's it, It's amazing to be able to have you there. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I know I talked about it a few times on uh, Ike's, Ike Live Show and, and way back on Bass U, but I was one one of the uh, people in the crowd at one of the original Bass U's in Dallas, or a grapevine it was back in, I think we decided 2009 or 2010, way yep. back, one of the first shows. And um, I've been a, a subscriber and, and stuff of the, the Bass U TV ever since. It's great content and just really come full circle being able to give back. That's awesome. Yeah, that that is really awesome. Yeah, it was it was oh nine, and we were we were spreading them out. We were in California, Texas, Florida, and uh, up here on the East Coast. And uh, man, what what a neat deal that you were there for that. And uh, I, I I I you probably wouldn't recognize me back then. I probably look I probably looked a little different. <laughs> yeah, me too. We, we've changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you back in oh nine? Oh man, I was a freshman at college, I think. So nineteen, eighteen. Oh wow, yeah, yep. that's uh, yeah. You were you were still just a kid, but uh, it, now we're gonna now you're gonna be a speaker with us, and uh, and well earned, well deserved. So uh, guys, by the way, tickets the ticket window is open. You go to thebashuniversity.com right now, and um, you can check it out. All of our events. We're gonna be in Athens, Texas with Ben and, uh, and others, of course, we have six top, uh, speakers at each event. Uh, myself, uh, Gerald Swindle will be at, uh, at the Alabama event. They say I look more like David Fritz, Ben, but, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going for Gerald Swindle <laughs> with his costume, but, but I, so me, Gerald Swindle will be in Alabama. We've got Ike's going to be in Shreveport and, uh, we, and we're also going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, the ticket window is open and you guys can get your early tickets now and uh super excited super excited to have you there i think ben you're going to be there on saturday january 20th so uh so we will uh we look forward to uh i don't know what what should we dive into i we we got to talk to you about this like uh obviously you're becoming world renowned at the big bait mat as the big bait master i think maybe that should be one of the primary topics what do you think i figured i figured you guys might want to talk about that a little bit and that's something that i don't want to talk about much because that's <laughs> like my ace in the hole pete but i think uh like i said i'm honored to be a guest on there and i I've, i figured that would be something when i told you that i would when i would do it uh that would be a topic you'd want to cover and i'm willing to give up a lot of that secret sauce uh, for anyone coming out to the athens show in texas well, that that would be amazing. I I, I also think, and we got to craft this, Rich. But uh, you know, something that wouldn't affect your tournament uh, strategies too much. But the you're renowned as as catching giants, and so many of our anglers, uh, like we have students that will never fish tournaments. They spend their whole fish that that's their passion is to catch their personal best, to catch that double digit bass. 
And I think, I think that would be an amazing uh, seminar from you. Yeah, I agree for sure. It's uh, it, we talk about that all the time, how the, the bass fishing tournament side of things, it's, it's what we're all wrapped up in, but it's such a small fraction of what's actually out there for, for fishing and bass fishing, even in the industry. So um, I, I definitely w- would love to, to share that and help people go out and catch their first double digit bass or the biggest of their life. Well, we hope, we hope you do that and you hope, uh, we hope that you help us catch double digit bass when we're down there in uh, Athens this year. Uh, we're going to fish Lake Athens. I, I, they've got some double digits there. They've got plenty of them. Might know a spot or two there, but they're, uh, that's a great lake. They're all over there. And um, what great, great fishing culture and area to have the seminar and then a great lake to go fish afterwards. Yeah, we're excited. And uh, shout out to the Fresh Texas Freshwater Fishery Center. That's where we are going to be back there again this year. And they're, they're, they do the Share Lunker program, which is an amazing program uh, that Texas is really the, the leader in uh, creating these giant bass that, uh, that everybody gets a chance to fish for. So they, they, we're going to be fishing uh, Lake Athens. We'll keep you guys posted on that. Maybe you guys can come out and join us uh, for, for that cool event. But um, really excited to have you there. You, you're going through the opens. Uh, is a, you came out of the gate smoking, you won. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, it's very, very hard to do. People will spend their whole careers and not win a bass open or elite tournament that are very, very good anglers. So, uh, getting that one out of the way was, uh, was, was pretty special. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first tournament at Ufala was great. Got a top five in that one. And then to, to go to Toledo Bend right after that and, figure out a way to win that one was incredible and you know everyone talks about everything going the right way to win win the tournament and it really was from the start everything went about perfect and I truly think I could have won that tournament doing three completely different things um that's how dialed in it was um haven't had anything like that happen in my life and the rest of the year never had anything like that come to me again but it was a special three days man well Congratulations on that win. What a, you know, going through this open period, like um, what, what did you, is there anything that you really learned that you, you're discovered about your game or uh, any highlights that you think, wow, I I became a better finesse angler or I learned something important this year? Yeah, I think as far as just like the technical side of it and fishing, um, I I knew that versatility would be super important looking at the schedule going in and that's one of the reasons i decided to fish it actually was because i feel like i'm well versed in a lot of different techniques from giant baits down to really really tiny ones on a spinning rod and going through my baits towards the end of the season i realized that i caught keeper bass throughout the season on i think over 25 different presentations um not just individual baits but actual different techniques which was insane to me um, it is a so lot. It was something where I definitely had to keep my mind open uh, because I didn't pre-practice any of these places. The only place I had been to was Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, we fished it in September, and I had never been there outside of the winter. And really, when I got to the the bodies of water, most of them were quite a bit different than what I had expected. Whether it be a watercolor difference. Uh, where the fish were at along in their their progression, or just how tough it was. Every tournament seemed to be tougher from the day we showed up than I thought it would be. Hmm. 
the uh, 25 different techniques and uh that's uh that's a lot that's versatility right there it was you crazy know? yeah and, and like i said everything from like four pound test on a spinning rod to the 30 pound test i throw on my you know 15 16 inch glide baits i threw it all wait a minute you're 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 rocking four pound test in open derbies yeah for sure man there's a couple times this year i think i got bites with four that i don't know if i would have got bites with you know eight ten pound test can you talk a little bit about like why that why you think that like why is the why is the super super light line so important yeah it gives the bait more action um that's kind of been a theme, I guess, I kind of really hammered home and, and leaned on throughout the season was I, I don't know if I'll ever fish a rig again that's like a fixed rig um, when I'm fishing. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever fish like a regular Texas rig hardly ever again. I don't know if I'll fish a jig unless it's like a living rubber jig. Um, just with how pressured these fish are, it's always going to be a free rig, swing head. Uh, and, and that super light line kind of goes along with that same mentality to where it's just going to give your drop shot, um, your uh, hover stroll rig, whatever, so much more, um, so less resistance in the water and gives the bait so much more natural action that these pressured fish just aren't used to seeing. So on yeah, four, on four, what, what braid are you running that to, or are you going straight for? Uh, actually I run it to, um, and I'll talk about this much. I, I still use the old, um, I can't think of what it's even called. Got a bunch of it. It's, uh, it's not Fireline. It's, uh, mm, Nanofill, uh, green Nanofill because it's super smooth and it does kind of get crappy and free after a while, but nothing casts like that stuff does. But the, the biggest thing with the light line is you need to have as long of a leader as you can get away with with that. Okay. Um, I know okay. straight, four, straight four pound would probably be the way to go, but I don't like the line twist with, with straight fluoro. So yeah, I'll run sure. like a 25 or 30 foot leader, uh, just as much of it as possible to help absorb some of that shock because you don't want to, uh, you know, braid's got no stretch and it, it, it cuts into your, your fluorocarbon no matter what type of uh, FG knot or a, a crazy Alberto or a double uni, whatever you do it's going to cut into it. And so you want as much stretch as possible. So where does, where does that fit in? Like the super light line, like where would that fit into something like a Ned rig? Right. Cause like a Ned rig, it, it doesn't, doesn't have that much action, right? It's kind of just like the stupid rig just sitting there. Right. So does the light line even benefit you on something like that where, you know, the bait may not be giving you that much action or. So if you're fishing a Ned rig on the bottom, um, you're also going to have the propensity to be around a lot more snags and a lot harder bottom that's going to nick your lineup. So that's not something that I would, I would think would have that big of an effect, but I actually caught fish multiple times this year on a one sixteenth or one thirty second ounce Ned rig or shaky head um, where I would implement that light line. And I was casting it to suspended fish. And for okay. whatever reason, they wouldn't eat a minnow presentation um, they just want that super slow spiral fall right. on that one sixteenth, one thirty second ounce head. That um, you're just going to get a, a little bit more natural fall with the super light line. Did you did you uh, take a light line approach to all your techniques? Like, did you go lighter on spinner baits and jigs? And was that an across the board thing for you this year? Not necessarily, no. Um, I With the spinning rod, I tried to do it as much as I could, as much as I get away with. It bit me a couple times. I broke a few fish off when I probably could have got away with some heavier line. 
Um, so by the time I got down to Florida um, and I was fishing brush piles and I, I same with Lake of the Ozarks, I was throwing 10 and 12 pound line on my uh, drop shot. Cause I was throwing a nasty brush piles and I was getting broken off like crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess the, the spinning rod is, is where I like to go as light as possible. Besides that with the bait caster, um, I generally mix up my rigging more and still stick with the power fishing, heavier line stuff. It's kind of just the way I do it, I guess. Yep. Well, I I want to go back to the free rig because I do not understand this rig. The uh, <laughs> I was up uh, on Thousand Islands this year. I um, uh, had a great co uh, from Jersey, actually. And, uh, man, he, he was Japanese uh, um, gentleman, and, and he brought every Japanese-style product and technique, and he was firing them and catching them you know, consistently out the back of the boat, but throwing a free rig in six mile an hour current. And, and, uh, I'm wondering, I just, I guess I, you know, visually, or I don't understand the benefits of that rig. What, what is the benefit of using that rig over, uh, say a Texas rig? I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. So it's different. That's just the biggest thing. You, you can't overthink it. It's just a different way that the bait can move and pivot on that, uh, that free swinging, uh, attached weight that isn't going through horizontally through a bullet weight, uh, which restricts your line the entire length of the bullet weight, right? So the bait doesn't have as back behind there doesn't have as much movement when the it can't pivot the line can't pivot as much through that longer bullet weight. But when it's it's just through the little clip on there, your your texture bait almost becomes like on a swing head no matter where you're throwing it. So. Mm it's got that freedom of movement to wiggle a lot more than your Texas rig does. And if you're fishing like a more vertical scenario with the free rig, your, your bait, your, your weight's going to slide more down the line than, uh, than a traditional unpegged Texas rig bullet weight, because there's less friction. There's a smaller clip area holding on that line. So it's going to, your bait's going to be falling just like every other Texas rig jig fall bait that those bass have ever seen before. And when you're, weight hits the bottom your bait's going to flatten out in parallel suspended somewhere in the water column you know whether it's three inches off the bottom of the lake or five feet up off the bottom of the lake and that's going to have your bait you know flatten out go horizontal and almost fall like a wacky rig or something like that it's just something that they've never seen before when every other tom dick and harry's been by there with their texas rig and jig you know right it's like goes back to the george cochran theory the fishing pressure is the most important mm. factor in tournament bass fishing. That's something. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it it certainly is in the opens. Yeah. My my God. I mean, two, everywhere. Two hundred and twenty boats on some of these bodies of water. It uh, man, it it had to really. I know it frustrated me in, in some of the tournaments, and uh, it had you had to run into some trouble where you're like, oh my gosh, I I have no place to fish. Yeah, it, some tournaments were a lot worse than others. Some places handled it really well. Like, you know, uh, first event of the year, there was some definitely some run-ins and stuff with the 20 to 30 guys that were trying to fish offshore, and there just wasn't that many offshore schools. Uh, Toledo Bend, completely fine. No problems there. Got on everything I wanted to. I think a lot of people did. Uh, Wheeler Lake was super bad. Uh, it was just like all the fish were in one type of area. It seemed like or the majority uh, on those ledges, just to, the, the first ledges. And some of them, you know, are, are two foot deep ledges on the main channel there and by the Decatur Flats area. So that was packed. Um, 
a lot. Some of the lakes did fish big. Watts Bar, Lake of the Ozarks fish big. St. Lawrence fish pretty big. I don't know how you felt about that, Pete, but it seemed like it fished pretty big. Bugs seemed to fish pretty big. Um, and then Florida, we kind of ran into the same stuff with, you know, offshore shell beds, brush piles, where it really gets uh, bottlenecked down. And uh, Eufaula in Oklahoma was insane, too. I'd never seen anything <laughs> like that. I found out later it was because there's usually uh, not as good a water quality as there is, um, as there was this year. It's like the cleanest it's ever been. But I think everyone in the top, like, 20 guys after the first day besides me was fishing the stretch of bank right outside of the launch area at Ufala, Oklahoma. And it's like a one mile stretch of bank, maybe one and a half miles. And then day two, there was 65 boats there. Someone counted within huh. a mile, mile and a half trying to Whoa. catch those retreads there. And it was, it was bizarre. There was a boat every like 15 feet um, on the second day there. And, and there was probably 25 or 30 boats there the first day. So yeah, it, it was definitely, you know, between the fishing pressure of five days of practice, which I think is too long. Um, by the time tournament came around, you you had to have at least five or six different patterns, places, ideas uh, of where the fish live to even have a chance to, uh, to to really put anything together. No no doubt. That, that, that was a lot. And it's funny, you said uh, Bugs Island was – I, I ran into trouble, I, and I, I guess it depends on how you prepared and right. what you found at practice. But yeah, for what, that tournament for me was a nightmare. Like I couldn't fish. Like hmm. uh, I was, I had, I was going to back up upon backup and just continuing to practice new water because I, you know, the areas that I tried to fish were were just uh, overwhelmed at times. And I know everybody, everybody dealt. It's that's a part of the dealing with these these big fields. I can't imagine what it's like down there in Texas. Some of those team tournaments are drawing like five or 600 boats. Um, that's, have you ever fished any, any of those types of events? That's crazy. Uh, not a giant team tournament down here. I fished uh, some of the big bass tournaments are insane. A couple thousand boats on Rayburn and, and Toledo and stuff. It's just like ridiculous, but yeah, I mean, just it's, you go out in Texas and it's like, do these people work? Do they have jobs? Cause you go out on a, <laughs> Tuesday morning, you get there at sunrise, and there'll be forty boats at the, the ramp already. It's like, what in the world? But yeah, it's, it's something got a little bit used to since we moved out here the last couple of years. I, I love it that they they don't work and they watch a lot of Bass University. <laughs> That's right. Texas. That's right. I mean, we have more subscribers there than we have anywhere in the country. So yeah. we 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 love it. Which Not is why surprised. we're going there. Why we're going back there this year? But um, we were talking. Rich and I were talking, and you're you're famous for your big bait uh strategies and and uh you know i, I think we might have talked about it a little on Ike live but so many guys i remember when the california guys came out with the big swim baits right it was so popular they were gonna they were just gonna run us over uh you know when i was out on bass masters tour and they um they failed at it right the the big bait strategy was maybe in its infancy they didn't figure out its bite windows or, you know, when to put it down, which is like the, the, the key thing, I guess that, that I think, but you, I want to know what you think, uh, like how, how were you able to employ that? Uh, and what did you learn about those bite windows, when to put it down and when to pick it up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this was the first year where I had a full series, um, of, of lakes across the country to really apply it. And I tried it at everywhere we went 
most of the time I was able to tell before I even picked it up if it was going to happen or not. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't want to have preconceived notions, but I, I, from my experience fishing down here, I was able to tell pretty quick. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something where it can definitely be an ace in the hole. It is for me big time. It's something I know, especially around Florida strain bass, I can pick up and I can catch fish on it that won't eat anything else at times. But I also know the propensity of that bait to pull fish and have them not bite. And so the biggest thing in a tournament situation for me, especially if I'm fishing something like an isolated piece of cover, like a brush pile, is that uh, that big bait's not getting thrown in there the first time. Um, and the second cast, it's also not getting thrown in there. And probably the 10th cast, it's not getting thrown in there either. It's going to be when I know that um, I have exhausted all other means of worm, mm. drop shot, whatever. Then I pull it out and I throw it in there because I know it can pull the entire group of fish out of that brush pile. And you got to wait another, I don't know, sometimes hours for them to set back up. So really, that's been the biggest thing with me. Uh, as far as using it for forward-facing wow. sonar and, 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 and isolated cover like that. Um, but I was actually able to use it at Lake of the Ozarks. I weighed all my fish in on it, um, just fishing docks on fish I couldn't see from just past experience fishing those Ozark-style highland uh, reservoirs and knowing those fish eat that bait really good. That's it. Yeah, that's interesting uh, that you say that. And I, man, I, did, I, I learned just listening to you speak because I my thought would have been, man – Ben's going to say, I'm going to fire the big bait first uh, to try to capitalize on maybe a big bite or, or, or something like that. I, I was surprised to hear you do it, doing it in reverse. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because you almost would have the idea that you want to, I mean, you're, when I'm out fun fishing, I see this is the problem. See, I've learned <laughs> because I, the last two years moving out here to Texas, before I started fishing tournaments, I pretty much just went around with a big bait almost exclusively, just throwing it at every single fish I saw, every brush pile I saw. So I could see what happened on forward facing generally the first few casts. And I mean, 95 plus percent of the time, you're going to have a fish follow it, and not eat it. Um, almost every cast you can have, a, you can get the fish's attention to have them follow it. So I can see really, really quickly that you would think in your head, like, I'm not going to warn these fish that, you know, like a Texas rig or a drop shot or a worm or a crankbait or something coming by there uh, and, and let them know that there's something unnatural happening in their environment before you throw the big bait. But it, it just, it, in a tournament situation, especially when you don't have a lot of brush piles to fish, um, it's something where I, I definitely try to get the, uh, the high percentage uh, bite to catch ratio baits and, and baits that I know they're not going to follow out in their first. Right. That's interesting because they'll fall. It's fascinating to, to think that way. Cause I, I, I use big baits so minimally because it's just not, it's not something that I do up here. So I'm, I love learning about this stuff. Yeah. What are, what are your top baits? What, what are, you know, Ben's top three, you're going to go out and, try to learn some of this strategy what, what what should guys go get as far as uh big bait big baits yep yeah for sure so um my bait that i designed with six cents is called the draw it's a nine inch glide bait it's more of a wider glide and that's a great bait in most situations like i i sometimes i, I like like a, a a shorter bait that, that you can chop back and forth really quick um, so I like like a Spro Chad Shad. Their, their plastic one's pretty good for that too. Um, 
and we have a mini draw too it's a six inch version of that so when i'm fishing like uh highland reservoirs working at really fast bluffs stuff like that that's what i'll uh, employ that you know wind blown stuff cleaner water work it really really fast so they don't get a good look at it but when i want the a bait to kind of fish down to fish on live scope um that six inch draw is really good and then if you want to go bigger than that i mean uh there's a plethora of 10 inch shad glides that, that are out there they're not cheap but um hinkle shad phony shad um mike buca makes a good big glide shad now so um any of those big 10 inch glide shads we might even have something in the works um that, uh, we, we can't can't put out there quite yet but i've been perfecting it for about two years now so i'm excited to get that going oh is, is that going to be coming out uh 24 oh god i hope so it's it's been i mean i've been working on it since 22 so i really hope so um I guess we'll see, but I got my, uh, another big bait that a lot of people, um, don't think about that. I've caught more 10 plus pound fish on since I moved down here in Texas is the line through swim bait, soft bait. You know, everyone wants to talk about the glide baits, the, the mm -hmm. hard glide bait craze. And it, they're, they're very special, unique baits that the fish for the most part haven't seen. But as far as a, a bait, that's more versatile, can catch, uh, fish in more different types of scenarios and different sizes of fish the the line through is phenomenal and we got one coming out um the start of december here that i've been working on for a long time as well with six cents it's called the hangover and um yeah I, I designed that thing from the ground up and it is a catcher is it um like we we did some um seminars with this kind of stuff it, it, there's a side-by-side -side, uh line throughs and or the boot tails what yeah. what what's your design going to be yeah, it's, it's a boot tail, um, and it's a top hook. It's, it does have a harness on the bottom if you want to add a hook to the belly. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the biggest thing, um, well, it's got a lot of different components to it that are really big. Um, I've fished line throughs a lot since I moved down here from 5-inch ones to 10 or 12-inch ones. And a large majority of them can only be fished in one part of the water column at one speed, uh, or else they just, they just want to pull up. They don't fish down the column well. This one, we're releasing it in three different weights. And so, I mean, the heaviest one, you're going to be able to reel it at like a decent clip and still keep it on the bottom in 15 or 20 feet of water. And I've caught bass down to 40 feet with it. Wow. And then, you know, the lightest one is one where you can really just like slow wind and it's going to have a ton of head quiver and keep it up there one to four foot below the surface. And so um, just having the, the ability to, to fish it at different depths is huge. The way the bait is shaped and the size of it, um, I figured out, you know, like a, a six to seven inch line through, you can catch the biggest fish in your lake. I caught a 14 pounder on a line through last year um, the, and, I, and I catch one to two pound fish on it all the time. And so I wanted it to be that perfect, you know, six, I think it's six and a quarter inches is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's a top hook, which I really like because one you can fish it over cover you know that's uh, a meg draft is a great bait it's a, it's not a line through it's a harness bait that a lot of people love but you can't fish that bait over cover hardly at all with that bottom hook gets hung on grass any type of limbs you're trying to fish it over with the hook on top of the bait you can work it over the top of brush piles you're not going to lose a bunch of them uh and one big thing with me with that is when that 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 uh, hooks on the top of the bait 90% of these bass that I'm throwing to on live scope are ambushing it from underneath. And these are the biggest, smartest fish in the body of water. 
And I don't think it hurts to have that hook completely concealed from them from down below. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff. And I, some of the some of the interviews that, that we've conducted have said that the more, the the line throughs are really responsible for a lot more of the the world class fish than than the glides are. Yeah, so I think it's been that way a long time, you know. And, and there were so many big fish caught on wedge wedge tail style baits too, like the Huddleston, the Batesmith um, Magnum. Uh, just a, just a more natural bait that works, I think, in, in more different conditions than the glide bait. But the glide bait, at times, uh, you can catch more numbers. You can catch giant ones on the glide, of course, too. All right, I'm I I'm pulling up on a brush pile. I got a line through and a glide. What? When do I throw which? When do I decide <laughs> to throw which one? Um. Well. You got that brush pile, and so you can throw both and see how they react, and then go to the next brush pile, Pete. Okay. Trial and error. That's, That's right. Like... <laughs> every, every cast is different. Every fish is different. I mean, I caught fish uh, sinking a hinkle shad, like sinking it one foot every like eight seconds last year. Super, like, super slow sink down to like 20 feet of water. It would take minutes for it to get down there, and it was 38-degree water, and I was catching them on that. Uh, and I caught a 14 pounder on that too last year and last January, I think it was. And I catch line through fish in the middle of winter, middle of summer. I catch glide fish middle of summer. Like they'll eat them year round. Um, obviously they're not going to eat them up there when you got ice on your lakes, but, uh, anytime you got, you know, active enough fish to, to eat, they will eat them. I get, it's funny cause you, you it's like I people ask me, when do you throw a chatterbait? When do you throw a spinnerbait? And I said, well, I throw a chatterbait when they bite the chatterbait better. And I throw a spinnerbait when they bite the spinnerbait better. I think that's what we just got from you on the on the glide. Exactly. Versus line yeah. through. Exactly. <laughs> you can't overthink it too much. You know, when you're throwing that yep. six inch line through, it's barely bigger than throwing a swim jig with like a four to five inch swim bait trailer. It's not a huge bait. So, right. Yep. All right. Now I'm going to have to order so much stuff I'm not <laughs> uh, you you just spent all of justin's christmas money this is uh, oh, uh looks like looks like ben probably had a call come in but uh you know the beauty of the line through always has been it's uh it's strike to catch uh capabilities it's so much higher um than uh than the the glide have we if we lost ben for the moment yeah, we'll, we lost him. We'll get yeah, him back. He's, he'll come back. But that's uh that's what I want to ask Ben is like tips and tricks to keep those glide bait fish pegged. Right. Because they are they are notorious for coming off. But that uh man, that line through with that treble, you know, if you're using the treble, I guess you can use stinger. I don't know what how his is rigged, but most of the ones that I've used over the years are treble hook. And they're so awesome, Rich, that I mean the fish gets hooked the glide or the bait comes completely out of the right. picture and the strike i was talking ben about the strike to catch on the line through versus the glide is is well it's way better yeah that's huge sorry i had a phone call there but yeah the the line throughs are it's it's you know it's so much better getting the fish to the boat fish will swipe at glide baits and hard baits and treble hook baits like crazy and you really have to be dialed in with your equipment exactly to uh, to have the timing right and get them to the boat. 
uh, without them jumping and throwing that big bait, but not so much with the line through. I mean, as long as you get a hook in them on that first hook set, you can find them however you want to. You don't have to grind them like a like a big glide bait or anything. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great bait to get people into it too. Um, kind of beginner fishermen that want to throw a bigger bait and get comfortable throwing something that weighs over two ounces because they, they don't have to be super technically sound. I mean, you can almost just wind into a treble hook line through bait and they're going to mm-hmm. get that fish in the boat. Interesting. Well, t- talk to me about getting those glide bait fish in the boat. What do what have you learned? Like the, I've, that's what I've heard a lot, you know, and I, I have not caught that many on a glide. I'm still learning this technique, but it's like grinding it in, swing them in the boat. That's the way to go. Is that the way to go? Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, especially with the big ones, like anything over six, seven pounds, if you set the hook and you freeze at all, man, it's, 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 I've just done it so many times to where if you, if you have your timing right and you command it and you, you hit them with the hook set and you keep your, your real movement, it's something that Oliver taught me and told me a long time ago. If you give them a second or you're, you're caught off guard, you'll probably lose the fish. If you not, you'll probably get to the boat if you just wind them all the way in. Um, So yeah, I just keep my reel going. Um, I don't have a lot of use for less than 25 pound line on those big baits, even if it's only a six inch, one and a half ounce big bait. Uh, And I I wind them all the way to the boat. And um, yeah, I'll boat flip them if if I can. Uh, I almost got in trouble with Harris chain with that. I boat flipped my biggest one. It was a seven pounder um, and it straightened one of my hooks and I've never, never had one of those hooks bend out, but I think I only had it with one hook. So I got lucky and it, you know, I straightened it. And as it hit the, the, the floor of the boat, it, it hook popped out, but yeah. Uh, oh, man. I wind them again in the boat as quick as possible. What size, uh, what size and gear ratio reel are you using with that 25 or 30 pound fluoro? Uh, I usually, I'll use a Shimano Tranks or I'll use the Daiwa Tatua 300. Um, 300, okay. Tranks 300 as well. The the 200 size, uh, I, I screwed the gears up on mine when I, the couple that I got. So I don't use that anymore. Um, even though it's a smaller, easier to fish reel, it's not as bulky. Yeah. Um, with my glides, I like a seven speed. Um, Daiwa makes both a 6.6 and a 7.1. And I like both of those, but Shimano makes a seven. I like that too. Yeah, you, I've noticed that about you know I've seen in your videos before. Like you, your your lineup on the deck of your boat, you got Shimano's, you got Daiwa's. Like you're not you're not like one of those guys that everything has to be the same across the board. No, no, doesn't matter to me really. Um, I like both, and uh, I don't know. There, it's definitely important. I mean, you can get. I, I would recommend anybody that's getting started to go out and throw it on your bait casters that you have now. You don't need to go buy specific bait casters for it. But you will learn, especially if you're around seven plus pound fish or six plus pound fish, I guess, that it's so important to have those those reels that can handle yeah. the the grinding of the 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 faster speed reels that can, a seven speed reel that can handle winding a, a big fish to the boat like that because oh, yeah. your traditional you know Corrado, um, your Zillion, your uh, you know your uh, Tatula is yeah. not going to be a seven speeds, not going or an eight speed, even not going to be able to wind a big fish, big line, big bait to the boat. Like you need to. That's yeah. When you get that, you're going to get yeah. stuck. That'll be what happens. Yeah. Like you're, you're just not going to be able to move that fish. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. when you incorporate that pause in there. That's going to get you in trouble. 
Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, I, I've, I've noticed that, you know, we live on the Bay, obviously Ben. And so we do a, a ton of chatterbait fishing and I've noticed that on the chatterbait fish the same. It's like, if you give them a split second at the, at the end of your cast, the, it's like 50% of the time they come off. Like it happened in that one Wednesday nighter with us, Justin, when my, yeah. my hand slipped off the reel, yeah. fish jump gone. Yeah. That's the pressure's key. How about like, do you, I mean, you, you're preventing these fish from jumping. I imagine you're, are you rod in the water, you know, trying to keep those fish down? Yeah. I, I don't go in the water. I just try to keep them down. Um, I don't think it matters a ton if they're jumping as long as you keep their head moving towards you. It's not much different than them being in the water. And I mean, mm. some of these 10 plus pound bass, you can't keep them from jumping. You don't really got a choice. <laughs> I mean, hope, definitely don't just like wind them and then you feel the line coming up and stop and stare at them because then they are gone. But uh, yeah, if you keep them, you keep them winding. Uh, I don't think it matters a ton. 25 pound test, 30 pound. I like 30 pound gamma for my my like 10 inch shad glides but you know for the line through for your traditional two to four ounce glide bait 25 pound 25 pounds so yeah. what about color selection on these baits we're getting a lot of questions about like what are you going with on your line through when do you determine translucent versus natural stuff like that yeah. take us through some color choices uh-oh <laughs> well next question <laughs> um, now what, that's one thing i've learned down here in texas is uh the water color doesn't matter for the big baits as much like you would think and so i always throw as natural as possible they'll eat like a silver clear with a blue back or a, a hitch color something like that um no matter the water color one foot six inches of visibility or 10 foot of visibility as natural as possible um, that baits putting off as much of a signature and, and presence in the water more so than any other bait and so they're feeling it they know it's there i think the bass use those uh, those lateral lines to feel it, it their their baits from a long ways away more than we could ever know and then once they get up close to it enough that they're visually analyzing it i want it to be as natural as possible and that's proven right time and time again so you won't see too many baits with any white on them um on my deck hmm. wow that's interesting and uh low visibility how, how low can you go on visibility and still be successful with these baits uh, uh as long as it's not like chocolate milk i'll always throw it i mean i was fishing at harris hmm. and i was catching them the bite um the bite zone's a little bit smaller definitely i mean you're not gonna be catching a bass that's that's coming from 20 feet away you need to put it on their head a little bit better um but yeah man i, I mean i caught them in a foot visibility at harris several several big ones and i mean that's just that's something from being down here too I, i've just been able to fish so many different bodies of water and it's so there's so many different types of bodies of water down here in texas we have some lakes, and this is a big thing, too, that I think someone could take from this. If your lake is always dirty, it's not like a clean lake that just went from 10 foot of visibility and then it rained and now there's a foot of visibility. Right. If, you're, if your lake year-round has one to two, three-foot visibility at best, those fish are evolved to seeing and feeding in that color water. We have a lake here that the water is kind of like a tannic color. And it's probably like two foot visibility almost year round. 
and I can go out in the winter on and watch fish on my live scope, but I'll throw like an eighth ounce jig head with a two and a half inch uh, little swim bait on there. And they can be 20 feet down. And when my bait hits the water, the, the bait can get one or two people to the surface and they're already looking for it. They can feel it. And that's with a little bait that size. So, I mean, think about what a 10 inch bait is putting out. Think about what your trolling motor and your boat uh, signatures are doing to these fish. Uh, that's, that's one big thing I always try to think about. You talk about the uh, forward facing is such a popular topic, right? You're, you used it a lot. I've heard you, uh, on a BTL say 30% of your fish probably came that way. Um, what, what, what sonar, what, what are you using? Are you do? do you have five transducers on your boat? Like <laughs> some of the guys, uh, how are you set up and, and what are some tips for using that? No, I don't have five transducers and I don't plan to, uh, <laughs> but I mean, Koi is obviously extremely dialed in on what he's doing. So no, right. no shade thrown at him or anything. I'm excited to see it firsthand next year. I simply right now, um, I, I just have my LVS 34 Garmin single transducer forward. I haven't gotten in the perspective mode big, like I probably should have. I'm going to try to mess with that more this winter. <coughs> and then I run that to a 16 inch screen. Um, I think the bigger the screen is always better on the live scope stuff. You just get, you can shoot it out further and have more, uh, more feedback on your screen with a, with a bigger screen. And so I got that 16 inch screen. I'm usually, if I'm fishing it over six, seven feet of water, I'm almost always shooting at 120 feet out, uh, running the settings as hot as I can stand them, get as much, as much information on the screen as possible, even with a little bit of clutter. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my setup. How about uh, you had an interesting one of the kids came. I call them kids. One of the young guys that are doing well is selecting uh, lenses of his glasses uh, so that the the images pop better on on your screen. Are, do you do anything like that? Uh, you know, as a owner of a sunglasses company, I should probably tell you that um, a certain lens works for better better for different scenarios, but, uh, I've seen it where I switch color lenses and I'm like, Whoa, that looks completely different. But wow. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if it matters enough to where I'm seeing or not seeing something, uh, in general. So no, I always, I run the same setting that Amber that comes straight out the box, uh, with Garmin. And then I, I have my, my waterland lenses, um, my, my polycarbonate green mirror, blue mirror that I always wear. And, uh, yeah, I haven't seen a, a huge effect on that. So you're you're not tied in directly with Garmin, right? Or 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 no. do you are you sponsored? So you can run whatever unit yes, you want. Yes, sir. Yeah, I had all three brands on my boat this year. Where are you running a 360? Yep. Most of the year I ran a 360. Yep. Gotcha. So uh, I, that's been an effective way to get it done. I I think uh running that 360 on on one screen and uh and just dialing it in with forward facing on the other. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't use my 360 most of the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'll be like, Oh my God, I never want to see that without my 360. Um, mm -hmm. obviously it's, it's huge for lakes where bottom composition is, is important. Um, that's one thing that I've got to the point where I can notice most things on live scope on the bottom, but it's, it's not really, you can't, even do it without 360 it seems like so i'll definitely be running a 360 on my boat this year too um it, it is very valuable a couple times this year 
What? What? Uh, how many units are you up front? You th- two or three? I, I had three this year, and I think I'll do three again this next year. Two at the console and three up front. I had a uh, one Garmin, one Lawrence, one Humminbird up front, and uh, Humminbird and a Lawrence in the on the console. When you're up front, what what? Like your your live scope is on, right? What what are the other two screens uh, going to be showing? So I always have my Lowrance on mapping because it's better. It was a touch screen. I, I just had a uh, Helix on my dash um, for Humminbirds. So the waypoint management wasn't as good as the Lowrance was. So I, I had the Lowrance on mapping, Humminbird on 360, and then the Garmin was always on live, live scope. I didn't hear 2D sonar. <laughs> that's yeah. that's just gone <laughs> for me it is yeah that's crazy yep. well for me that sounds crazy because I, I mean i spent 20 years staring at 2d and my eye is my eye and i think this is one of the things that i'm trying to change and advance in my own fishing is my eye if that's on that's where my eye goes to if i glance at a screen um so i've started turning that off and looking, you know, at 360 and forward facing exclusively. Right. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, that doesn't even involve itself in, in your fishing most of the time. Yeah, really the only time I'll turn it, uh, turn to it on the console is to see a thermocline. That's about it. Wow. Wow. Yep. So much has changed. So, yeah, that's crazy. I know, man. The uh, Speaking of which, uh, the young guys, the young guys dominated, man. You're, you're. You're the old guy in the qualifiers, you know? That's bizarre. It is, right? Yeah. um, To see what what some of those guys did this year was really impressive. And, uh, yeah, it made me think, like, I made it to the Elite Series, and it's amazing, and I'm so excited, but I'm fishing against the best fishermen in the world. All these guys have been looking up to you for so many years. And I think about it, I'm like, God, I got to beat these other eight guys that qualified in my group too that are freakishly good on top of that. Uh, so, yeah, it's wild. You know, they talked about Trey McKinney. If he uh, wins a tournament in his first five years on the Elite Series, he'll be the youngest Elite Series winner ever. He's got wow. five years to do it. That's insane. <laughs> five. How old is he, 18? 18. I think it's like his 19th birthday, the first day of the year. That's Man. Awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. What what do you think that is? Uh, you know, their ability to to work with the technology uh, more efficiently than than the veterans or the older folks, or is it their I, I don't know more time on the water that they have to, available? What do you think? Why do you think that is? I think it's being more efficient with everything in the sport from the time that they've started fishing. They've had access to the best information, like Bass University um that uh we never had and other generations never had i mean think about if you replaced your saturday morning watching bill dance and rowan martin with being able to 24 hours a day have the best information that's ever mm-hmm. been gathered possible um at your fingertips whenever you wanted to watch it you didn't have to record it on a vhs um yeah i mean it's that's- Everyone wants to say it's because they put their boat in the water and they drop their trolling motor and they just start driving around on forward facing sonar and they're so good at it because they're young, but that's, that's so far from the truth. Uh, and then people want to say, you know, well, how would they know the seasonal movements and patterns of the fish if, if they're that young? Well, they do. 
Uh, I watched it time and time again. Uh, they didn't buy it. It wasn't just because they bought information or they had all this money to pre-practice and whatnot, although a lot of them did, and they made them even more deadly. Uh, they just have the aptitude in tournaments to know what's going to go down, and they're all versatile. And with fishing changing as much as it is right now, I think it's important to um, kind of approach things with an open mind. And if you're mm -hmm. under 25, you're able to do that right now. Whereas if you're um, one of the veteran mm -hmm. anglers, you're more locked in your ways of the fish should do this in this scenario. And they don't have to relearn everything with live scope and forward facing. They're just, that's, that's what's available to them. And they've always been able to decipher side imaging and, and mapping, which has been better than ever. Um, so yeah, just just having the aptitude to be more efficient with everything with their game. I I see, I see it and I agree with you because I I ran into uh, some of the guys from time to time. I've got to know them all through the podcast and bash you and stuff. And uh, we'll run in. I'll see them on the water and it's twelve o'clock. I got I got one fish or I got none, and and they are they are like veterans and able to make something happen. Uh, you know, late in the day, and just like you said, they're adjusting to conditions like you would never expect a young man to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a way to uh, describe it or explain it. You kind of have to see it for your own eyes, and I think people will see that next year on the Elite Series. I think I think so, too. Um, I know uh, uh, JT Tompkins, and congratulations to him for an amazing year, but uh, he, he put 700 hours on his motor this year. Yeah, it's crazy. He fishes every day, man. I mean, across the country and and it's not just time on the water, it's productive time on the water and and, and obviously adverse conditions if you're going to be out every day. So that's it's a proven ground every day for him. Yeah, that that's impressive. Impressive for him. Impressive for you. Um man, you've got uh you're going to take the family what we were talking about on Ike Live. I guess you're looking at uh you're getting mobile with a camper, doing some fun stuff with the family this year out on tour. Yeah, we're not we're not positive with our plans quite yet of what we're going to do, but it's either be camper or Airbnb, but they're coming along um, with 100%. So it'll be a good year. Um, I like the schedule a lot more than the Opens. I think we got three back-to-backs and then two kind of standalone tournaments. So that's, that's going to be nice. Makes for less back-and-forth trips across the country. Yeah, sure. Sure enough. What 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 stands out? What are you most excited about? I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't to start the year. Two events in Texas. Uh, that's awesome for me. Not just because obviously winning at Toledo Bend because I'd never been there before. It's not like it's my home fishery or anything. But I knew um, I'd be at a pretty big disadvantage if we did the typical Florida swing in January, February, because these guys have been doing that for. Some of these guys have been doing that for 20 years and they know exactly what to do, where to do it. And we all know Florida is such a screwy place to fish, especially during that spawn time. Uh, so I was not sad to see those not on the schedule. And instead, starting with uh, Toledo Bend, Lake Fork, two, two types of fisheries that I'm very familiar with. Um, very excited to fish Lake Murray. That's one that was on fire last year, obviously. I can go do all the live scope little bait stuff that I like to do there. Uh, and then, I mean, later in the year, I mean, I, I love that we're fishing Florida, the post spawn, that's going to be super fun, something totally different. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the small mouth stuff too. So really, I guess, what did I not name there? Uh, Smith Lake <laughs> and, uh, Wheeler Lake, 
And I've never <laughs> been to Smith, and I, I've been to Wheeler, and I think Wheeler will fish a little bit better than it did in the Open for us, a little bit bigger, hopefully, too. Yeah, Wheeler always jams you up, but you'll have half the field. Exactly. You, you know? But there'll probably be like six other 200-boat tournaments going on that day or something. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the Tennessee River. <laughs> Well, I just uh, I just hope that when you're out there fishing this year, you give me Gerald Swindle the space and the courtesy <laughs> that I deserve as a two-time angler of the year. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's got to be exciting, right? You're going to be fishing against some of these, some of your heroes, some of the guys that you watched from from just getting started. Man, uh, yeah. does that give you butterflies? Is that exciting or is it nerve wracking? I know it's. I'm going to be very stressed. Uh, First time I launched the boat, that's for sure, without question. I Hopefully, I'm able to get a couple bites early at Toledo there and settle me down because, yeah, yeah man, I'm going to be wound up tight. I'm glad the Classic isn't my first time fishing against these guys um, because, you know, I, I did fish against several of them in the Opens this year, but it's, it's totally different. It's going to be a pretty unbelievable experience. Have you ever been to a Classic? Yeah, actually, my first one I ever went to was at Grand Lake, uh, 2012, I believe it was, when uh, Cliff Pace won. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's come full circle. Was uh, watched right there in the BOK Event Center um, like 11, 12 years ago, just wanting to be there. And then my first classic will be at the same venue. So pretty cool. That is, that is very, very cool. It's a monumental event, you know, and then it'll, uh, it'll, it'll impact you greatly. Well, I wish you best of luck at that and, and, um, you know, best of luck this whole year, man. It's, uh, it's very, very exciting and we're thrilled to have you with us in Texas. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited for the Texas event. That's going to be a really good time. Hopefully uh, we get several of the people listening right now to come out because, I think we can teach them some some really important things that maybe there's not a lot of information out there about. And who doesn't want to go out to to Athens, Texas at one of the best times of the year for fishing and getting prepared in the off season and everyone's just gonna be ready to roll. Uh we're we're gonna be ready to roll and I'm gonna be sitting in on your seminars. You can bet that. Uh <laughs> and uh, I wanna I wanna hear some of the good stuff. But uh thanks for visiting with us. Happy Halloween. I hope you going out trick-or-treating uh, this afternoon? Yeah, we're, we're going trick-or-treating, taking my son out tonight. Um, yes. Freezing cold here in Texas. It's only it's going to get down to 32 tonight here in oh, Houston. What? So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm from the north, so I think it's funny. Everyone here would probably be staying inside in their parkas. But, uh, yeah, cold front down here. So get him through the trick-or-treating and then get out on the lake as quick as possible the next couple of days because the big ones are going to be going. Awesome. Oh, heck yeah. Awesome, man. We'll, we'll have fun. Thanks again, Ben, and best of luck. And uh, we'll be in touch, man. We look forward to seeing you real soon. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys. Ever need me on or, or want me on here? I'm, I'm happy to come on. <laughs> you the man. Thanks, we will ben. take thanks. you up on that, my Deal. my friend. Uh, we'll talk to you real soon. And uh, what, what a great deal to have him with us in Texas. We're also going to have Stephen Browning, one of our most popular uh, speakers from last mm -hmm. year is going to be with us in Texas. And yep. who, who do who else do we have? Uh, Nick Lebrun uh, is going to be with us. He was uh, an on water instructor with us last year. Did a really nice job with that. And uh, he's a he's a he lives like right on the border of Texas and Louisiana. And uh, he's done some. He's he's really had a couple good years over on the MLF side of things. And he takes a uh, he takes a very unique approach to his fishing and. 
Um, I'm excited to get him back in the mix with us again. He's going to deliver some awesome content. Yeah, it's good. Well, and we as have well as Stephen three, and Ben. You know, yeah, we'll have three additional speakers, which we will be we will be naming soon. So get your tickets over at thebashuniversity.com. We got we have some stuff to give away, and we have a grand prize. So I hope you're paying attention. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to give away some stuff. leader in underwater viewing technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod. 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Portland Line Master Braid, America's premium super braided fishing line. Manufactured in our Cortland, New York facility and constructed from the highest quality spectra fibers available. Cortland Line Company, made in America since 1915. I have to have the best eyewear. My eyes are essential to doing my job. It's the highest quality lens that I've ever used. Top of the line performance in these glasses. But they're priced for absolutely everyone. The everyday angler can afford them. As a touring professional pro, if I can depend on them, I know the weekend angler can as well. Hobie Eyewear, built for the pros. Priced for everyone.
<laughs> Welcome back to uh, Fashion University Live. As many of you saw, we we tricked you guys and asked the uh, asked the trivia, the grand prize trivia question <laughs> during the commercial break. Look for that to be the way we're moving forward because we want to we want to make it fair for everybody. What you got? This is probably the funniest comment because Justin put the swimsuit and St. Crest said it's the Millikini. <laughs> the Millikini. <Yeah. laughs> Six cents birthday that, suit. My, my computer all week. A it, swimsuit over swim bait. At, you know, I, I spell know. the what is it? The spell check or auto correct uh, is oh what's God. killing us. Apologize for the Bill Milliken. Maybe that was his evil twin. Uh, we, we, I imagine that was an autofill as well. But that's the way we're going to do our trivia question from here on out, guys. We're going to put it up on the IM board, and uh, that way everybody gets it at the same time. Yep, and, Timmy, and T. Nichols won, by the way. So T. Nichols, which the – Chime in there. Is that Timmy? Timmy, if that's you, say what's up. We got we to gotta know. And if that's the uh, – so the official name of um, Ben's swimsuit is The Hangover. The hangover. That's a great name for a swimsuit, too. That's yeah. Great. Right? Swimsuit, swim bait. swim bait, all of it. Oh. <laughs> I like it. This is, uh, we also have a like and share. Do we have a winner for that? Oh, one second. And she's a one second. Hurry up and do it if you haven't done it yet. Like and share the feed. I was answering questions. Okay. The winner of the like and share is Casey Lynch. Casey, Casey Lynch. Lynch. Casey. Thanks, Rats. Thanks for liking. Thanks for sharing. We got a subscriber of the week too, don't we? Yep, we got a subscriber of the week as always, and this one's a little different. But our right. uh, sub of the week is hey. Joey Elliott, and uh, this is pretty cool because it's at a Bassmaster High School Combine, ah. and you can see the only one rocking the bass shoe hat is Joey. So shout out to Joey rocking the BU hat with that nice, awesome, awesome hair right there, baby. <laughs> Flow. Joey said, "I love that. I love that." Man, yeah, send, send us a fish pick when you get a chance. I yeah, love that. Pretty cool. Thanks for wearing our uh, representing Bash U out there in the combine. And uh, guys, get us your pictures. You want to be featured as the Bash U uh, subscriber of the week? We love that. Send us your picks, your personal best, your smallest fish, your tournament win, whatever your whatever it is, man. We love it. Uh, just showing the Bash U colors and uh, and out there enjoying this sport that we all love that's right uh, we have just uh we've got a lot going on at bash mm -hmm. U. Mm -hmm. we've released some amazing content this week uh what what's what's this week and what's on the agenda rich um this coming week we have uh bill lowen um uh smallmouth power tactics uh that's a cool one um yep. get to see him winding and grinding on some Big old smallmouth. Fa absolute favorite way to fish for yeah. smallmouth, man. I love putting that spinning rod away and yep. getting after them in the yeah. shallows. One of the cool things about that seminar is that he employs kind of a power tactic to something that you may consider a finesse tactic, with, the, which is a hair jig. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he kind of goes a little bit bigger rod, a little bit bigger line. Still, you know, a real long rod, and you got to yeah. have it limber. But, you know, a little bit more meat behind his setup on that and – he's aggressive with them. You know, I've talked about before, like when you mm. on our show, when, when you watch guys like Corey and Chris Johnston and they're, they're hair jig fishing, man, they don't mess around with those no. small, they, <laughs> they hit them that drag screams, they wind them and scoop them right in. And Bill's kind of, you know, using that same, uh, same tactic with that. And 
catches a real big hair jig fish at the at the end of the yeah. seminar. So I, I also liked his little swim bait deal, that little line through mm-hmm. that sneaky little deal, and that's something that Ben uses a lot today. Yep. Yeah, cool yep. little setup on that. Yeah, a little line through swim bait head, and you know he's got a little three point eight swim bait on there. It would, but it goes to a treble hook. Yep, so it's pretty cool little deal. Yeah, and uh, I'm waiting for that little hair jig mm-hmm. to show up in largemouth fishing at some point. You know, we they really haven't tried to cross it over, but there's got to be moments. Yeah, uh, sure. clear water. Yeah, you know, largemouth fishing. I don't see why not on reservoirs and stuff like that. We've always used them for cold water largemouth right. in our part of the country in a different way. Oh yeah, Have little we? little 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 bitty hair. Not me, maybe <laughs> Pete. But. <Yeah. laughs> well, that was one of my was one of my go tos when the water temperature got down into the forties. That hair jig was one way to continue to catch them. We found a couple other ways with the you know the vibrating, mm-hmm. um, whatever that thing's called, the silver buddy kind of technique. And but that little hair, and we used to put a little uh, one hundred one Uncle Josh pork rind on it. Black on black. You're giving away some juice here, Pete. It's deadly. Being really deadly heard of, in, but... in the cold temps. That's what we do. <laughs> hey. That's what we do. What else we got? Um, for all of our kayak guys uh, out there, uh, we got some kayak content coming your way, too. Uh, we got Fish in the Fall Transition uh, with GDP. Um, kayak Bassmaster Champion, GDP, Greg De Palma. Um, and he's talking about the fall transition and uh, how he attacks that fishing out of a kayak it's a little different than a bass boat right you can't run 70 miles an hour down the lake you got to take a different approach um and uh greg really breaks that down well so uh i mean guys we're, we're releasing stuff across the board um you know every week fresh new content coming your way and we're working really hard to keep this stuff booked so you know let us know shout us out shoot us a message an email whatever if there's stuff you want to hear about stuff you want to learn about whether that's in seminars or on the on the live show, whatever, let us know, man. We 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 appreciate the feedback, the input, and uh, we want to give you guys the content you want. Yeah, so, yeah. And we're going to continue to deliver the best of the best. Very exciting uh, seminars going to be coming to you. If you know, if you can't make it to the class, they're going to be available on Bashu TV. So get yourself subscribed. This is the time of year to study. Get yourself part of the program. Get over to Bashu.tv. Get yep. yourself signed up the and come. And uh, Sorry. Come see me, Gerald Swindle, yeah. in Alabama this year. Uh, what's the, what's the Alabama dates? Alabama is February third and fourth. February third and fourth. Come come see me there. We're going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, Athens, Texas, and Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, ben Milliken is going to be with us in Athens, Texas, on January twentieth at that event. So go check it out at thebashuniversity.com. Get yourself some tickets. What else we got? The Krankenstein promo uh, ends tonight, I believe. So yes, it does. You get you some get Rocco's, your, your Rocco's, and your OG Slim, and a fresh BU Lucky hat. Get over there and sign up tonight, man. It Not is running out. It is crankbait season. Uh, so what a cool gift pack for uh, for subscribers over on Bashu. So guys, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back next week with another episode of Bash University Live. Happy Halloween, everyone.